The God who enables us to be in this very room. The God who created all things. The God who blesses. The God who sent His one and only Son. The God that was from the very beginning, who has always existed. The God who calls things to happen. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the Old Testament. The God of the New Testament. And the God of our lives. And the one who can give us purpose and hope is a God who from the very beginning is a God who loves. And when I look at Isaiah chapter 25, uh, though there are hundreds and hundreds of years that separate us in the here and now from when this text was initially written or was initially spoken or was initially heard, the same truths of God are still available to us and still reign true in these moments. And what I want you to notice about Isaiah chapter 25 is it gives us insight into the character of God. Uh, I don't think there's anything more important uh, in, in an individual than their character. Um, and I think it's important that we understand the character of God because if we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ and we're going to be followers of this holy God, it's important to note the things about his character that we need to make uh, as a priority for ours. We don't just need uh, to hope and dream that we're going to become like him. We need to be like he is. And one of the things, the first thing I want to say to us today in Isaiah chapter 25 is that if you notice in the first verses uh, of the passage, and namely in, the, in, in verse 1, uh, it tells us that God is our God, and it tells us that in His perfect faithfulness, He has done wonderful things. And then it goes on to say uh, that things planned long ago. Now, it, sometimes uh, we can be very impulsive. Uh, which means kind of we're spur of the moment. Uh, I think uh, my wife and I were a lot more impulsive before we had kids. You know, you could call us at midnight and say, you want to come over and play cards? You want to come over and watch a movie? And we'd jump in the car and do it. Uh, or, you know, we might go somewhere and, uh, and, you know, I might impulsively buy something or she might impulsively buy something, which is more uh, my character than hers. Uh, but we, we could be impulsive in those kind of things. But as the years have gone on, uh, I've gotten tired of having to sleep on the couch from my impulsivity. Uh, and so I've had to modify those things that some of those things that I do. You know, when you're single and you're doing your own thing, it's fine. But suddenly when there's a significant other... Uh, you have to do things a little bit differently. Um, and so uh, one of the things I think that we should learn from the character of God is God is not impulsive. God is strategic. Uh, and so if we are going to be his followers and we're going to become more like him and we want to live within the parameters of his image, then it's going to require us to be intentional planning about what we're going to do. God does wonderful things and he is intentional about what he does. And I love that because that tells me that it didn't just happen to happen. God is wonderful. He does wonderful things. And he goes on to say in Isaiah 25, it says, things planned long ago. So the blessings that you and I receive, I don't believe, based on this passage and a variety of others, that they're haphazard. Nothing is by chance. Nothing is by coincidence. Anytime we want to ascribe something as chance or coincidence and it's a blessing, I would submit to you that it is God remaining 
anonymous. His fingerprints are all over everything. He is involved in every aspect of our lives. And though uh, we try to go back uh, to our founding fathers sometimes and we want to talk about their spirituality, one of the things that of, of the spirituality of the Enlightenment is God became out there somewhere and it lost this personal touch. The personal touch and personal relationship with God has not really been a, 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 a a statement or the, the, the uh, height of conversation except for the last 150 or so years. We really talked about the personal relationship with Jesus and the critics of that will be quick to point out at no place in the Bible does it say that you need to have a personal relationship with Christ and I have to submit yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. You're not going to find that spelled out in scripture. But what you will find out is that as you read the scriptures and you attempt to want to apply those scriptures, that God is interested in having a relationship with people, the people that he's created. God desires from the very beginning to restore that which has been broken. God wants and desires to save all people. And the way he does that is through the person of Jesus Christ, who has become the sacrifice for us. In other words, we deserve the cross, we deserve to be crucified, we deserve to be punished for our sin, and God has taken on himself through his son Jesus Christ those sins that you and I commit. And I love this passage in Isaiah 25 because it talks about wonderful things that he's doing, wonderful things that he's, that he's done, and they were planned long ago. When Jesus went to the cross, I don't think it is a far cry for us to think that when he went to the cross that he intentionally went there for me and for you because this God who the Bible says knows how many hairs are on our head is intentional about what he does wonderful things happen he's not sporadic he is not impulsive he has a plan and the question for a lot of us this morning is are we under the scope, in the view, involved, engaged, and committed to his plan? God is a wonderful God. Uh, despite who we are, despite the things we say, despite how we act, despite the things uh, that we do. Uh, and uh, as I often talk, you know, the other day, uh, as we were going to Charleston, uh, we got outside of Columbia and it started sprinkling rain and the road was just just enough wet to be slick and this Lincoln Continental uh, passes me uh, I'm going I go five miles over the speed limit because I believe in grace and uh, so uh, this this Lincoln Continental passes me which really I don't like it when people pass me but I had to behave because I had eight other people in the van uh, and so I was I was nice and so it passes me and I sit going out and I see the brake lights you know about a quarter of a mile half a mile ahead and all of a sudden this Lincoln Continental swerves to miss spins out, slams into the side, sidewall. Uh, of course, we've got Becky Culver as our nurse. Uh, she was in the van behind me. And so I pulled up like the Good Samaritan and said, uh, we've got a nurse back there if you need help, uh, you know, that kind of thing, uh, which she was fine. Uh, but, you know, uh, frequently as I'm going, and my wife knows this, every time we go on that corridor of, a, uh, of I-26 towards Charleston, towards Myrtle Beach, uh, people give me the universal sign. Um, and uh, if you don't know what the universal sign is, uh, you just ask your neighbor after the service. They'll be glad to tell you. But uh, I always say that they're pointing me to Jesus. That's what I like to interpret. And uh, I have to say it only happened once on this trip, and I didn't even draw attention to it. You've been very proud of me. I'm very calm and reserved. 
uh, and uh, I didn't even, didn't even say anything to the rest of the van. Uh, I had uh, Judy Cole sitting behind me, and she's kind of like my semi-navigator. She was observing things that were going on out and about. But it, it was a great, great drive. And the thing about it is, there are things that just kind of haphazardly happened. It seemed that they just kind of fell into place. What I want you to know is, and I believe this with all my heart, God is intentional. I believe with all my heart that the only reason we weren't a half a mile ahead is God's intentionality. I think God is involved in the everyday aspects of our lives. I've told uh, this story before. Um, one day I was in New Orleans on a busy four-lane highway, and I was in the left lane because I go five miles over the speed limit. I deserve to be in the left lane. And, uh, and for those of you who go 15 miles over the speed limit, I'm one of those people that you don't like. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've earned the right to be in the left lane. I hate the right lane. I loathe it. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm riding along. I'm in the left lane. And all of a sudden, I didn't hear God speak, but I was just, I, 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 I like heard in my, my mind or my, my spirit of things, move to the right lane now. So I moved over. Immediately, the car in front of me slammed into the person in front of them, and it was a three or four car pileup on Veterans Highway in New Orleans. I had to pull off the side of the road. I was so shaken. And I look at that, and I think, that is God intentional about what he does. Listen, every day, there are every day we experience the wonderful things of God. Every day, it is a miracle. Every day, we experience miracles. We don't ascribe to that. We don't talk about that. But the fact that you and I are here in this very room is nothing short of a miracle. God from the very beginning has had a plan and his plan according to Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 is to prosper us and not to harm us. A plan to give us hope and a plan to give us a future. Our God is not interested in our devastation. He's not interested in hurting us. He's interested in redeeming us and sometimes what he wants to redeem is to redeem us from ourselves. Because we constantly have this self-talk that goes on. And sometimes in our self-talk we talk about how we're not good enough to serve or we're not good enough to be doing this or we're not good enough to be doing that. Listen, God doesn't make junk. God created everything. And everything that God created in Genesis, what did he say? It was good. Everything that God creates is good. You are good. It doesn't mean that you don't do that you don't commit sin or that I don't commit sin, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image of God. God did not make trash. The people talk trash. God has created you for a purpose. Are we fulfilling that purpose? Have we aligned our lives to his will and purpose because he is interested in doing wonderful, wonderful things and He's not haphazard about it. He is intentionally seeking us out so that we can be fulfilled in the joy that he has through Jesus Christ. God does wonderful things and he's intentional about him. But not only that, if you look in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 25, we see a second quality uh, about God's character. It says that you, referring to God, you've been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. What is he saying? He's basically encapsulating uh, Psalm 46, which says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Though the mountains shake in the heart of the seas, though the waters roar and foam, we need not 
fear because our God is with us. God is our refuge. He is our safe haven. He identifies with the poor. He is a refuge for the needy. He is a shelter from the storm. And He is shade from the heat. He is everything we need all the time. And if you think that you're one of these sufficient human beings that doesn't need God, just wait. Because the storm is crazy, the heat is hot, and you and I will never be able to endure this life fully without understanding that we need Him. As the song says, we need Him every hour. Every hour we need him. If you're not at that point in your life where you need Him every hour, you need to prepare because there's a storm coming. It may be off in the distance, it may be decades away, but when it comes, are you and I ready? As the scriptures say in the Gospels, when it talks about the house that's built on the rock versus the house that's built on the sand, we know the story, which house survives? The house that's been built upon the rock. If you and I want to be able to survive the storm, this God who plans wonder things for our lives, it is imperative that we prepare, that we're intentional about our relationship, that we're not haphazard, that we don't just show up haphazardly, but that we are committed and intentionally trying to grow in Christ, developing our roots, sending our roots down deep so that when the winds come and the storms howl and the lightning flashes and the thunder tries to get our attention, when we're in the midst of the boat and God says, come to me, walk on the water, we can be like Peter who's not only willing to do the impossible, we're willing to get out on the water and listen we are so committed to him that we won't be like Peter and look away at the situations of our lives but we will keep our eyes and our focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the Savior of the world and you and I will not sink but if in fact we do begin to sink because we pay attention more to our circumstances than the God who is over those circumstances then when we cry out for help he is quick to save and reach down in the midst of our storm and the midst of our work and the midst of our trial and in the midst of our circumstances because our God does wonderful things and he is intentional about them. He is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. So no matter how great your problem is, no matter how much you've been defined by the problems of your lives, our God is greater. Our God is bigger. He's got this. The question is, do we believe it? God is a great God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. He's not created anything that's junk. He doesn't create trash. God does wonderful things and He has had us on His mind since the very beginning. He identifies with the poor. He is a refuge for the needy. And here's the thing, we are all in need of the Savior. We cannot save ourselves. No amount of good works, no amount of right belief, no amount of good things is going to save us. The only thing that can save us is the divine act of God in human history through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. There are many tempting other parking places along life's road. There are many other religions and philosophies that will teach you how to be a good person. But instead of teaching you how to be a good person, let's be taught how to be a follower of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who has always had us on his mind. A God who has a perfect record. A God who shows up in amazing ways. A God who loves us even when we fail. A God whose love is unconditional. That is, it's not based on our faithfulness. It's not based on our choices. It's not based on how good we act, how good we look, how good we feel, whether we wore deodorant, whether we had a shower, 
whatever. It doesn't matter. God's love is constant, consistent, despite who we are, because he's interested in doing wonderful things. He's intentional about his love towards us. He is our refuge in verse 4. He is a shelter from the storm, a shade from the heat. He is our protector. And if you face a storm and you face rain and circumstances, don't you want to be under the shelter of the king? Don't you want to be under the God who commands everything? This God who we were revealed to in the New Testament, where he reveals himself to us, who calms the sea. Hush, be still, and the storms cease. This God is intentional about you and me. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what sins we're going to commit. He knows what sins we have committed that we've not confessed. He knows the sins that we are completely oblivious to, like going five miles over the speed limit on I-26. He knows all these things. And yet, despite our failures, He does not choose us and He has not chosen us for how great we are. He's chosen us because he has chosen to love us despite how messed up we are. God is a God who loves. God is a God who does wonderful things. God is a God of refuge. He desires to be our protector. And then I want you to notice verse 6 and third point about God's character. Isaiah writes, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. For who? All peoples. Hmm. Wow. Including Florida fans. All peoples. It was nice to kick their tail yesterday. (laughs) For all peoples. Yeah, the Vols will sit and recline at the feast of the king and there'll be Gator fans there too. Yeah, I know that's incomprehensible to some of you, but it's going to happen. Because God is interested in all peoples. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty prepare a feast, rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine. It didn't say Welch's grape juice, folks. A banquet of aged wine, the best meats, filet mignon for everybody. For those of you who don't eat meat, you need to confess and repent. The finest of wines. You don't want me to call you out. I know who you are out there. You're looking at me right now. Uh, everybody else knows you too. Uh, Uh, It's not our fault that you're a vegetarian. The Lord has blessed it. He's given it for our bounty. He wants to bless us. We need to eat up. And the Hindus are right. The cow is holy. I love eating it all the time. (laughs) On this mouth, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest wine. What's the purpose? God wants to give us insight into his ultimate plan. When you think about it, listen... When you, if you're going to serve the best meat, if you're going to serve the finest wines, which you probably wouldn't be Baptist if you did that, but if you're going to do that, what type of people are you going to invite? You're going to invite your closest friends and acquaintances. You're not going to invite Joe Blow that you just happened to see at Walmart on aisle 14B. You're going to invite your closest friends. Listen, when God throws a party, nobody's excluded. Everybody's invited. There's a church outside of Nashville. I love, I love their statement, their mission statement. No perfect people allowed. I love it. It's so catchy. That means everybody 
is invited. When God throws a party, everybody's invited. Have you ever not been invited to a party but had friends that were? How does that make you feel? You feel excluded. You feel like crashing it. You feel like hurting people on Facebook and Twitter. God's party, everybody's invited. The finest meat, the finest wine. I want you to listen to the students. Finest meat and finest wine. You have to wait to be 21 in this country to drink. With God, when, he, when you go to his party, all bets are off. Isn't that awesome? Is that awesome? Yes, it is. thank you. You know, I'm glad you're paying attention this morning. It's awesome. You see, the rules change. Because with God, he makes the impossible possible. What's the impossible? The impossibility, students, is this. If you were able to drink alcohol now legally, you wouldn't do it responsibly. The impossible happens with God. So he makes at this party, everything, everyone is invited. It is endless possibilities. The best, best meats, the finest wines for all people. And then look at verse 7. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people. The sheet that covers all nations. And in verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. Now, a couple things that this could be alluding to when it says that uh, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people and the sheet that covers all nations. Now, some have written about this and said, well, this relates to class and economics. Could be. I don't know. Uh, more than likely, it's relating the summation of these verses when it talks about he's going to end death. That's what the shroud that enfolds all people. Everybody's going to die. That's like a given fact. And so what God does is in his miraculous work and the wonderful things that he's intentional about, death ends when you join God in his party. Death ends. So when you uh, are laid before people in a casket, and we're mourning your death, it's really a misnomer. Because to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of Christ. The party has begun. You leave this life and you join a party that's better than anything that you could ever ask or imagine. Because God alters the course of what we expect. He destroys death. And then it says, he will wipe away the tears from all people. What is that saying about his character? He cares for us. God cares for us. He is not sympathetic about our situation. He's empathetic. He is involved in the agony that we experience because we know, based on Scripture, that Christ endured all things. He was tempted in every way. He was rejected by the very people that were singing His praises. God endured everything through the person of Christ. And so this 70-year period that we have on this earth, God is interested in our story. Now, when you look in the conclusion of Isaiah 25, it says, Surely this is our God. We trusted Him and He saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. The hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, but Moab will tramp be trampled in their ground or in their land as straw is trampled down in the manure. Boy, that's a visual. That's nice. Uh, they will stretch out their hands in it as swimmers stretch out their hands to swim. God will bring down their pride despite the cleverness of their hands. What's he saying? He's saying, people that build walls, get ready. Because God 
is going to take down the walls that we build. So if you're building a wall either intentionally or impulsively, haphazardly, if you've built a wall because you've been burned or you've been hurt and we naturally have that defense mechanism to do that when we've been rejected by friends or we've been rejected by people, we have this heart, we have these emotions and if we've been hurt time and time again, we develop this habit of building a wall around our lives and uh, all of us do this from time to time. God is not interested in blessing your wall. God is not interested in making your wall a saint or making it a monument, your wall a monument to his glory. God is interested in bringing down the walls because he loves all people. And what I know about God is he's not interested in how you show up, how you throw up, how you don't give in, how you, whatever you do. He's just interested in you because he loves all people. He wants our walls down no matter how grandiose they might be, how pretty they might be, how they protect us. Listen, some of us trust more in the walls that we've built for our protection than we trust in the God who loves us. I want you to think about that. What's your go-to when you're hurt? Do you hide behind your wall or do you hide in the shadow and the presence of the Almighty God? One will leave you lonely and empty. One will bring you victory every time. Because our God goes before us. The best thing to do with walls, whether we constructed them or they've been constructed by others around us, is bring them down brick by brick. You know... As I've moved and I've got all these boxes, let's just pretend those boxes are bricks, it is much more manageable to do one box at a time than to have all the boxes just thrown out on the floor. Because when you have all those boxes all over the floor, your life is in chaos, it's in shambles. So before the storm comes, start removing your wall brick by brick. Take it from the top down because the top represents the most recent things that you're building a barrier about. And the reality is that a lot of us can't handle emotionally and spiritually starting at the foundation because that's where we have been deeply hurt over time and we become callous to those things. God is interested in our salvation he loves us despite who we are. He has invited us, all of us, to the party. What kind of walls do we have built up? Take it down brick by brick, because when the storm comes, the wall is coming down. Are you ready for what God's going to do? God is the God, listen, God sees beyond the wall. God sees beyond your presence in your present sense God sees into your future how do I know that because when you look in the New Testament and God first called followers disciples listen he didn't see them the way they were he saw them in their potential we all every single person in this room has untapped potential some of us you could argue are healthier than others but we're not loved any more or any less, regardless of where we are on the path. 
God is interested in our story. He does wonderful things. He is intentional. He is our refuge. He is our protector. He cares for us. The question is, do we recognize our need for him? Have we reached a point of brokenness where we have let the walls down? People are free to come in and go out. Listen, if you're wanting to reach people for Christ, you and I can't reach people for Christ when there's a wall that separates us. That means as followers of Jesus, we have to become vulnerable to the people we are trying to share Christ with. God's interested in our story behind the wall, not the story that we project from the wall. And he's interested in having that wall down. He says in verse 12, he will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. Here's what I want you to know. When your walls start becoming brittle and they start breaking apart, don't attribute those walls coming down to the enemy. God said he would do it. He's going to bring it low. And you know what? The God who brings down the walls and the calamity ensues is the God who is our ever-present help in time of trouble and distress. This God doesn't want you to go through your rubble and your junk and the trash that sometimes we have created. He doesn't want us to do that alone. He plans to walk with us to do wonderful things. He's intentional about his love. He's not impulsive. He's not sporadic. You and I are on his mind. He is our refuge. He identifies with the poor. He's a refuge for the needy, and we all are in need of him. He's a shelter from the storm. He is shade from the heat. He is our protector. He cares for everyone. Everybody's invited to his party. He promises to destroy death. He promises to wipe away our tears. He cares for us, and he cares so much that he's unwilling to allow us to be defined by the walls that we build, but he wants us to be defined by the Savior that he's given. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your steadfast love, your constant love towards us despite who we are. We pray, Lord, as we go through the course of our day and our week that you would find us faithful just as you've been faithful to us. Father, forgive us for falling short. And Lord, thank you for inviting us to a party that we didn't plan on, because, we didn't, we didn't plan on being at. But Lord, you've given us an invite to everyone. Thank you for wiping away our tears. Thank you for bringing down walls. Father, thank you for penetrating our hearts with the message of your hope, namely Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be defined by your act in our lives. Thank you for bringing salvation to our homes. Thank you for being our ever-present help. And some of us who are going through a season of trouble problems, whether it's in our marriages or in our workplaces or at school or home, with our friends, with our family, whatever it might be, God, you who uttered stillness in the midst of the storm, God, you are aware of what we're enduring in these moments. You promise to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us a hope in the future. 
today in this invitation, Lord, it's our opportunity to respond to the wonderful things that you've done and that you're doing. Father, may we have the strength to give you a chance because you not only gave us a chance, you have given us a new life, new possibilities. Thank you for not holding what we've done or what we've said or the things that are bad about our lives that we've created or that have been created for us. Thank you, Father, for not holding those against us. Thank you for loving us despite our lack of love for you and for others. Lord, thank you for your grace. And Father, if we're here today and we need to make a decision to trust in you for the first time or many times over, if you're calling us to a specific ministry or opportunity, Lord, may you find us faithful as you're faithful to us. You are faithful to provide everything that we need. In this moment, it's your time to speak, our time to respond. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.